Welcome to Crosswalk Radio, the Bible teaching radio ministry of Crosswalk Church in Daytona Beach, Florida. Take your Bibles and join us today in the book of Philemon as we continue a study on the topic of forgiveness. Philemon, verse 1. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Apia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you, I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bond servant, but more than a bond servant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord." So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, to say nothing of your owing me every, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you, and the Lord refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ, Jesus sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you, your spirit. In verses 4-7, through as we saw that last week, Paul expresses his personal thoughts toward Philemon. For example, I'll give these to you very quickly. In verse 4, he expresses his thankfulness and prayers. We read that. Secondly, he mentions Philemon's love and faith toward Jesus Christ in verse 5. And in verse 6, Paul really begins to set the stage for the request he is about to make of Philemon. He speaks of faith becoming effective. And what is he saying by that? In other words, Further put into practice is what he means. For the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Paul's prayer 
is that Philemon's true saving faith will serve as the motivation for granting him his request and subsequently strengthen the fellowship of all the believers, not only in Colossae, but abroad as well. What did I mention last week? That word sharing is the word koinonia, which is an interesting word that is used there in verse 6. And the point I drove home to you last week is here's what Paul is emphasizing. Yes, Philemon, you have exhibited tremendous love and faithfulness toward Christ and toward the church. So that says to me that you are a man who cares about Christian fellowship. A man who really cares about the fellowship of the church, the reputation of the church, the reputation of Christ. So I'm hoping now that that love and faith that you have for Christ and for the church will be exhibited in what I'm about to ask you to do. So he's, he's setting things up here. Now, number four, in verse seven, Paul writes concerning, he writes about joy and comfort that he personally experienced by knowing that Philemon has given himself to refreshing the saints. Paul's use of the words, my brother, shows just how deeply he loves Philemon. Paul wasn't one to parse words. He didn't just throw out, you know, things and praises to people. That just wasn't his style. And so when he calls someone a dear brother, faithful brother, co-worker, he means that. And so this, is a, uh, this term, my brother, shows just how deeply he loves Philemon, and that'll come home in just a moment, and how highly he esteems him and how completely he trusts him. So Paul is saying, when he says my brother, he's saying, I love you and I trust you. Especially in light of what I'm getting ready to ask you to do. Now I want to interject something here. For anyone to simply to imply that Paul is in any way, and I've read these these comments from some. In fact, some have even made this the crux of their sermon. Paul's um, slickness in buttering Philemon up. Mm. i got some real problems with that. So I think for anyone to imply that Paul is in any way buttering Philemon up, playing on his emotions, or even worse, trying to manipulate Philemon is absurd. Let me tell you why. This is nothing less than to impugn the character of Paul. And it would, in a sense, put a seal of approval on such techniques by the Holy Spirit in our canon and the Scripture. So that's not what this is at all. And you're going to see that as we go further into this. Paul's address to Philemon in verses 4-7 through are genuine and heartfelt. Yes, indeed, he is about to ask Philemon for a big favor. You're going to see how big that favor is. But it is more than a favor. To first remind Philemon of his love for him, Paul is well within the boundaries of a friend. If I was writing a friend and I was getting ready to ask you a favor, I would remind you of our friendship. Do we not do that all the time? We remind people of our friendship. His praise for Philemon is, 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 is well meant. However, there's no doubt that Paul's address to Philemon would soften the heart of this dear saint, of this dear saint as he reads such words from one he no doubt loved very much. And I went back last week and I mentioned to you, if you go back to Acts chapter 20, again, we don't know that 
Philemon was among those in Miletus when Paul met with the elders at Ephesus. We're not told that he was. Those were the elders from Ephesus, not the ones who were going to, uh, from Colossae. But I demonstrated to you the great love that these elders from Ephesus had from Paul, that when they realized they were not going to see him again, they cleaved to him and wept. And so that's the kind of love, and that's, that was by virtue of Paul's teaching them in Ephesus, and that's exactly where Philemon was during this time. So Philemon no doubt had that same love and regard for Paul, and so, and so Paul appeals to that, their mutual love really for one another. And so if Paul had wanted to be heavy-handed, Paul didn't have to manipulate any situation. In fact, if he wanted to be heavy-handed in the matter, he could have exercised apostolic authority. He, said, by, he could have said, by virtue of my apostolic authority is when called by Jesus Christ to lay the foundation for the church, you must do what I'm getting ready to tell you to do. But that's not what he did. That's just not what he did. He did not use his apostolic authority and compel Philemon to act accordingly, but he didn't do that. The basis for his request is twofold. Number one, it's a mutual love and regard they they have for one another. I told you last week, I can imagine Philemon being handed this letter and Tychia saying to him, by the way, Philemon, this is from Paul to you personally. It's probably not something stuck in his pockets that I'll read this later. Can you imagine him? No, I can imagine him immediately what? He's kind of pulling himself away from the crowd and opening the scroll. What, what, what would my dear friend have to say to me? But you've got to put it in, in the context of this too. That, and I thought about this as I, as I go through these. Remember I tell you I role play these things out during the week. Like I'm, I, it's like a movie going on in my head. And so I'm seeing Tychius come up to, to Philemon's home, but he doesn't come alone. And so as the, as the servants or the other slaves or whoever it might be would answer the door, whether it's his wife, whether it's his son, whoever it is, answers the door, there's Tychius, who they may or may not know. But then over the shoulder, looking behind them, they see somebody they do know. It's Tonesimus. And they're thinking to themselves, I can imagine they run back and said, Philemon, you're not going to believe who's at the door. And so that, and then all of a sudden, that's when perhaps Tychus says, by the way, I have a letter for you from Paul. And so there's kind of the stage set for this. So Paul appeals to their mutual love for each other. And then secondly, their mutual regard for the koinonia or the fellowship of believers, the welfare of the faith. In verses 8 through 9, it says, Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, Yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner, also for Christ Jesus. Now hold on for just for a second. So the word accordingly in verse 8 ties to what, has, what Paul has already written in verses 4 through 7, especially verse 7. Since Philemon is the kind of person who delights in refreshing the saints, rather than Paul feeling it necessary to command Philemon to do what he's about to ask, he prefers not to emphasize his apostolic prerogative, but rather, he says, for love's sake, for love's sake, he prefers to appeal. 
He chooses here to base his appeal on Christian love. So this is an epistle not only of forgiveness, but it is a letter that speaks to us of Christian love. The love that we should have for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. This is what you are seeing here. You are seeing real Christian love played out. Real Christian love between two brothers being played out for us. And so he chooses to appeal to Christian love, the very thing Philemon has been showing the saints. In fact, I love what William Henderson, his commentary, said on this passage. He said, quote, One cannot really say that even here Paul completely excludes any appeal to his authority as Christ's official ambassador. If, there, if that were true, he would, of course, not even have mentioned it at all. So what Henderson is saying is that while Paul does, in fact, appeal to their mutual love and regard for each other and for the fellowship of believers, Ones, Ones, I mean, Philemon knows who this is that's writing to him. This is, yes, a dear friend, a person who he has worked very closely with in the ministry at Ephesus before returning back to Colossae, but he knows Paul's standing before Christ. This is an apostle. This is one who has had an encounter with a risen Jesus Christ. Jesus has appeared to him. He is called by Christ to be among those who laid the foundation of the church. And so Philemon knows that. So there is this subtle hint of apostolic authority, even though Paul doesn't use it. So at the close of verse 9, Paul once again mentions the fact that he is a prisoner for Christ. In fact, fact, most translations say a prisoner of Christ Jesus. But interestingly here, Paul refers to himself. Notice he says here, he says in verse 9, he says, I, Paul, an old man. Now, I find that offensive. And I'll tell you the reason that I, I find that offensive is that it is very likely that Paul was barely in his early 60s. Some of you can appreciate that, right? I know nobody, nobody here, not mentioning anybody by name. But he was, was only in his 60s. You say, well, how, how do you get that? Well, if you go back to the stoning of Stephen in Acts, it was young Saul who they threw their cloaks at. That was about 30, 33 or so, A.D. 33 or around that area. And now we are only at A.D. 60, 62. So if he was barely 30 at that time, maybe not even 30, or slightly over 30, that would mean by this time he was only 60. And yet he calls himself an old man. Well, there's a lot of things to consider. I mean, I, I don't like, I would not refer to myself as 61 as an old man, even though I do, I do know the mirror doesn't lie. But think about it. For 30 years, for 30 years, Paul had suffered greatly for his faith in Christ. In fact, we were there Sunday morning in our message. In fact, by the writing of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, which, by the way, was written in AD 55 or 56, probably early 56, AD 56, 
which was a whole six years probably prior to the letter to Philemon written from Rome. In chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, Paul run, gives us a rundown of the bodily sufferings as an apostle that he's been through. You need only read that. I went over that Sunday morning. So you can imagine what his poor body looked at like. Having been beat senseless and left for dead, stone feet broken, you name it. Teeth knocked out from being stoned. You can probably name what his body must have. He must have looked a lot older than he actually was. Not to mention the fact that the, the lifespan at this time in human history was not like it is today. I mean, today a 60-year-old person is probably like a 30-year-old person back then. And so the lifespans were a lot different. So by the time of the writing of Philemon, he would have borne in his body the marks of the Lord Jesus. He says that in Galatians chapter 6, verse 17. No doubt he felt worn. Knowing all Paul had suffered for the sake of the gospel, surely his beloved co-worker. So as he reads this, Paul, an old man, in Philemon's mind it plays out all Paul has sacrificed for the gospel. Now verses 10-11. through 11. He says, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. So Paul now states his appeal. Here's the appeal. He's been setting up for this very moment. And here he he says, he states his appeal. For my child Onesimus, whose father I became. Don't miss that. He does not, how does he first bring up Onesimus? As the runaway slave? He first mentions Onesimus in context of what? My son, Technon, my child, in the one who I have become a spiritual father to. Again, remember. Onesimus' flight from Philemon's home, and now he's reading in the own handwriting of his dear friend Paul that this man is now considered by Paul to be his son? Can you imagine the emotions and things going through Philemon's mind as he's reading this? Our English rendering of this verse is virtually, in the English Standard Version, New American Standard Bible, it is literally the exact order it is in the Greek text. And there's a reason for that. This matters because Paul has with great care planned his approach to how he's going to make his appeal for Onesimus. You can't miss it. You can't change it to make it say other than what Paul wants it to say. And so notice even before mentioning Onesimus' name, Paul refers to him as my child. Immediately this would create in the mind of Philemon a favorable impression of him as well as a sense of sympathy for Paul. Rather than write, I appeal to you about Onesimus, that useless thief who ran away from your home. You can imagine if that had been the way this letter had had started reading, what would have been happening in Philemon's mind? Oh yeah, 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 I remember that worthless thing. But that is not how Paul approaches it. Paul writes it with affection as well as purpose. So Philemon must be thinking at this point, your child, Paul? Onesimus, now your son? 
whose father you have become while you were imprisoned, while you're there suffering for Christ, this man has become your spiritual son? How in the world could this be? And in verse 11, Paul does address Onesimus' former status. He refers to him as useless. And an interesting Henderson again points out in his commentary that there's a play on the word Onesimus, which means profitable, helpful, or more precisely, useful. Remember I jokingly said last week that that was a very common slave name. They just would call their slaves useful. Can you imagine, as I said last week, somebody just saying, hey, useful, come here. And basically that's what it was. But Paul plays on the words here. He takes the word, word literally meaning useful and contrasts that with being useless. He who was useful became useless and once again has become useful again. So the one whose name means useful was in fact useless, has now become indeed useful. But not only to Philemon, he's become useful to Paul as well. Onesimus, and this is the point, and listen, Onesimus is now what? He's a believer. He is a believer. He has been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And in not only becoming a Christian, But after becoming a believer, he proves himself useful to Paul during his imprisonment. We're not told how. But somehow, Onesimus rose to the occasion. Immediately upon coming to saving faith in Christ, the one who was useless, a thief who fled from his master's home, now links himself together with one who is in prison and is useful to him. Look at verses 12 through 14. He says, I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be compulsion by compulsion, but of your own accord. And so Paul fully realizes that the right thing to do is to do what? Now, we might say, well, you know, why don't you just send a letter, Paul? That's just not the way things were done. And so Paul knew that the right thing to do was to send Onesimus back to Philemon. In fact, he adds something there. He says, but in doing so, I'm sending my very heart. So in other words, what does he do here again, folks? He's telling you, his deep affection for this slave, for who is now a, a fellow believer in Christ. He said, I'm, I'm, not, I'm sending, you might paraphrase it, I'm not merely sending you back a bondservant. I'm sending back, sending to you my very heart. In other words, the affection and deep love that he has. He has become very attached to Onesimus. This is not just a convert of Paul to Christ. This one had captured, some, for some reason, Paul's heart. Just a side note, and I found this interesting as I was thinking through this, because as a writer, I think about things like this. Because it, it hit me, I went back and said, let's look at the Greek text. I want to see, because in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, Paul refers to Timothy as his child in the faith, or his son in the And I said, is that the same Greek word that is used, the Greek word techno, technon, and it's the same word used for 
Philemon as it was for Timothy. And we know Paul's great love for Timothy. And yet Paul uses the same Greek word to describe his relationship with Philemon. The same Greek word for child. So we certainly know Paul's love for Timothy, but here we witness similar affection that Paul has for Onesimus. Now, think about this. Timothy was with Paul in Ephesus. In fact, Paul left Timothy in Ephesus to pastor. And the letters of 1 and 2 Timothy, which are called the pastoral epistles, were written to Pastor Timothy while he was in Ephesus. So, that means Philemon would have probably known Timothy. He, in fact, it says that in verse 1. He says, and Timothy our brother. So, I, so he would know. Would you not know how much love Paul has for this one laboring beside him, Timothy, certainly? And now, he writes to you and says, this slave, I'm returning to you. I love the same way I love Timothy. You miss this if you don't read these things carefully and pass just by those things and read them in a cursory manner, you, you think through Scripture that way when you read it and when you study it. So Paul says in verse 13 that he would have been glad to keep him with me. Paul says, in other words, I would have been glad just to have said, Onesimus, stay here with me. But he adds an interesting twist in verse 13. He says that he might serve, listen to this, don't miss this, that he might serve me on your behalf. I mean, this is brilliant. Paul here assumes that if it were possible, Philemon himself would be rendering service to Paul. Paul is saying, I know that if you could, Philemon, that you would be right here with me. But you can't. However, someone from your household is. And I deem their presence with me to be just like it were it was you with me. Brilliant. Tremendously brilliant. And so Paul lets it be known that he reckons Onesimus' service to him while in prison as being Philemon's service. And such service, Paul adds, was not just for the sake of serving Paul. He wasn't Paul's waiter. It's very clear that Onesimus' service to Paul was for the gospel. In other words, Onesimus was doing gospel work. We'll have to pause right there on this edition of Crosswalk Radio, but we'll come back next time and continue our study of the book of Philemon, focusing on how Paul brings to bear in the life of Philemon the importance of Christian forgiveness. Have you been challenged by this series? Would you like to find out more details about Crosswalk Radio or Crosswalk Church? Well, we encourage you to visit our website today at crosswalkdaytonabeach.org. Or give us a call at 386-255-0604. Thanks for listening today, and please tune in next time as we continue to teach, touch, and transform lives by faithfully proclaiming God's Word.